Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. The Tampa Bay Rays have finalized a deal to build a new stadium in St. Petersburg. Today we celebrate coming to terms on an agreement to make that plan a reality. Major League Baseball is here to stay right here. Rays majority owner Stu Sternberg announced the deal in a press conference with city and county leaders at Tropicana Field Tuesday. That's where the new 30,000-seat domed stadium will be built. This deal has been a long time in the making, and as Sternberg noted, the road to remain in Tampa Bay has been bumpy. The Rays talked of building a stadium in Tampa, then they wanted to play one half of the season in Montreal before that got shot down by Major League Baseball. The Rays will pay for more than half of the $1.3 billion stadium, with the city and Pinellas County chipping in a combined $600 million for the project. The Heinz Rays redevelopment of the 86-acre site includes 1,200 affordable housing units and $50 million towards equity initiatives in South St. Pete. Mayor Ken Welch said the plan honours promises that were made to the black community when the historic gas plant neighbourhood was torn down to make way for Tropicana Field in the 1980s. This is what the community was promised. This is what business and civic leaders over decades have hoped for. And this is what we will accomplish. This is what progress looks like. And our rays are here to stay. God bless you. As the Tampa Bay Times broke news of the impending deal on Monday, WUSF spoke with business owners near Tropicana Field. Megan Ann manages the Peace of Mind smoke shop on Central Avenue. I think it's going to help out a lot of the other local businesses because, you know, people want to try new things and um, there's just a lot. It's a juicy area. There's a lot of great local places here. Just down the block is Walid Khalil, the owner of Zaytun Grill. He's run the restaurant since 2015. He says making a stadium part of the new development is a good thing. It will help the restaurant a lot, you know, they, for them being here, you know, at least we see new faces when the game is here, when the race is here. So I hope they stay. Today on Florida Matters, we're talking about the new stadium and what it means for the Rays with a panel of sports reporters. We'll also discuss the Rays heading into the playoffs, the Buccaneers in the post-Tom Brady era, the Lightning, and whether Tampa Bay could once more claim the Champa Bay title. I spoke with Spectrum Bay News 9 sports reporter Mike Cairns, longtime Tampa Bay sports journalist Joey Johnston, and Ira Kaufman, NFL Buccaneers columnist for JoeBucksFan.com and host of his own podcast. Johnston joined us in studio, and Cairns and Kaufman joined the conversation via Zoom. I want to ask you whether it surprises you in any way that the city has reached a deal with the Rays. Uh, Mike, why don't you go first? I'm not surprised at all, especially with the success of the team, uh, especially making the postseason the last five years. That's a franchise best. They've never done that before. And they're certainly drawn more and more crowds. And I think the big reason why the stadium is going to be a success here in in St. Pete, because the attendants are building right around 30,000. So they're not reaching big. They're playing to what the crowds have been, but I think with the structure that I've read and what they've got set up so far, I think I think that's a good start for them and it'll be a good place, and I'm glad they're sticking around at St. Pete. All right, what do you think? I'm stunned. I'm stunned they're not going to go to Hillsborough County. The demographics don't lie. 
The numbers don't lie. The trends don't lie. I am very disappointed that they could not find a, a suitable site in Hillsboro, whether it's uh, Ybor City, towards the fairgrounds, which I think in geographical terms might have made the most sense. Putting the stadium basically in the same spot as Tropicana Field, you know, people like to say, well, we're not going because we don't want to make that drive over the bridge. Now, whether that's true or not, that's the common perception. And in that regard, nothing's going to change with this new stadium. So in that respect, I'm a little surprised. Mike? I don't know about, you know, especially I've heard so much about, oh, if they put it in Tampa or they put it in Hillsborough County or they put it in Ebor, you're going to draw the crowds from Orlando. I don't believe any of that. Baseball fans are going to come to St. Pete, and, and that's just the way it is. Yes, I saw some drawings that they were trying to get a plot of land from a billionaire that had land on the water. And sure, that stadium would have looked beautiful on the water and the mock-ups that they had. But that real estate that they're trying to develop there, which they've been holding off the raise on, I don't think it's going to have as big of an effect as anybody. I think a lot of it is people whining that it's not in Hillsborough County. And that's okay. It's a huge county, and they've, they've got the Bucks there, and they've had a lot of success with them as well. So I'm just glad that they're staying here in our Bay Area and not moving to Montreal or Nashville or wherever all the reports have been. And you're also seeing a great mix. It's not just an older skew, the numbers of the attendance. It's a younger skew that's coming. You're getting those young professionals that have the money that live in downtown St. Pete. Because remember, they're building fast and you're getting a lot of people in downtown St. Pete. Let me ask about the money, though. It looks like the team has agreed to pay half of the cost of a new stadium, which is expected to cost more than $1 billion. And this is from a team that has historically pleaded poverty and has one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Why do you think they did this about face? And more importantly, where are they going to get that money? What do you think, Ara? It sounds excellent in theory. My big problem with Sternberg over the years has been, you know, he hasn't really been very definitive uh, about how much money he's willing to put up. And I think that was a big stumbling block. And and I think it triggered those, you know, rumors about the, the Rays going to Montreal, which baseball shot down that was a silly idea anyway that was never going to happen hey if sternberg's willing to step up god bless him and he'll be a hero in this town if that happens but right now uh, it's only on paper yeah unfortunately i have to agree with ira there i'll believe it when i see it you're talking about coughing up over 600 million dollars and from what i've read in the uh, report from mark topkin in the times he said that Sternberg does have investors that are going to add to that $600 million that they're going to, and then Pinellas County is going to chip in. So we'll see. As a Pinellas County resident, we'll see what kind of effect that has on me and, and my taxes. Joe, does it surprise you in any way that the city has reached a deal with the Rays? It doesn't, although it, it certainly is different than the narrative that I've been believing for 15 or 20 years that the only way the to save the Rays was for it to be in Tampa. I did think that made a lot of sense to be where the population base is. However, I would say overall, I'm in favor of anything that keeps the team in the Tampa Bay area. That's the bottom line. Uh, It's a lot of money and uh, some taxpayer involvement. So the devil's in the details, as they say, and we we need a lot of details. But if this uh, is going in a direction that will keep the Rays in the Tampa Bay area, I think that's a very positive thing, and and 2028, there's certainly time if they're acting now to get this done. Well, let's talk more about baseball and the Rays. They made the playoffs. They clinched that playoff spot at the same time as the Orioles, who they were playing on Sunday. That's in spite of them losing to the Orioles. Uh, Joey, talk us through how that happened. 
Well, both teams are great. I mean, arguably, maybe the two best teams in the American League. They, they could end up, one of them being in the World Series. They just happen to be in the same division. It just so happened that, that they've got such a wide lead over the competition that they came to the, the same uh, destination on the same day when they happened to be playing each other. And uh, I don't know that either team, their ultimate goal is to get in the postseason. I know it's not for the Rays. Uh, the, the goal is to win the division. I know Baltimore put on their T-shirts and posed for pictures. It's a big deal. They haven't been in the postseason since 2016. But let's make no mistake, for both teams, the big thing is to win the AL East. But don't be surprised if Rays-Orioles ends up being uh, the key series in terms of getting into the American League entrant for the World Series. That could be, uh, you know, they've, they're done for the year, but I don't think they're done you know, in the postseason. I think they're going to meet again. Ira? What I find very amusing is that nationally, I just think there's a – continued reluctance to take the Rays organization seriously. I mean, I see it all the time. National writers, New York writers come into the trop and they say, this team's a mirage. This team's not going anywhere. They got no payroll. They just made the playoffs for the fifth straight year. They're a legitimate candidate to get to the World Series. They were in the World Series uh, a few years ago. They're a young team with a great farm system and very strong management. I don't understand uh, what it's going to take for these national pundits to take this organization seriously. Mike? You guys have, have covered baseball a long time. I've covered baseball a long time. Here's my take. Everybody likes the super teams. And what have the super teams done? The Mets spent. The Yankees spent. The Padres spent. None of those teams are going to the playoffs. The Dodgers have always spent. They're always going to be good. But outside of L.A., which is a huge market, Baseball has always loved the super teams. Nobody likes to see a team like the Rays do it the way they did it and have the success that they have. Well, guess what? The Orioles are doing it exactly the way the Rays did it. Joey mentioned seven years ago was when they made the playoffs. Look at what the Orioles have done. They've done it through the draft, their farm system. you got guys like Henderson, Rutschman. Those are guys that the Orioles developed just like the Wander Francos and the guys that you're seeing in Tampa, St. Pete. Nobody wants to see teams do it that way. They want to see teams go out and spend 250, 300 millions and put these rosters together. And those are the ones, the New Yorks, the LAs, those are the ones they want to see. They want to see Yankees, Red Sox. They want to see Dodgers against the Phillies. They want to see something like that. They all want to see a little team like the Rays who barely spend any money, but do things the right way. And I think that rubs baseball the wrong way. But to Joey's point, Major League Baseball, the history of Major League Baseball, they never want to see a team leave a market. They will always help that market keep that team unless the owner is insistent that I'm moving and I'm going to take them. But if you look back at the history, they've tried to help every one of those cities keep that team. And I think in the major landscape, it looks at baseball, kind of rubs them the wrong way when the Rays started doing this several years ago and they're like okay it's gonna last one or two years the reliever starting that's gonna go away everybody does it now everybody tries to start relievers everybody has a reliever day so the race in the wrong way uh they have done something they've started to trend in baseball that i you know baseball is gonna have to come around to it eventually because the track record is five years in a row and adding on to it I'm telling you, they're on to something. So I think that's the big reason, however. They love super teams, but look at the success of the super teams. They're sitting at home watching teams like the Rays and the Orioles with some of the with the best records in the American League possibly compete for a World Series. 
think that's going to rub some of the big guys the wrong way. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're talking with sports journalists Mike Keans, Ira Kaufman and Joey Johnson. Coming up, we'll discuss the Buccaneers after Tom Brady, the upcoming season for the Lightning and more. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. Back in 2021, our region earned the nickname Champa Bay thanks to -to back-to-back Stanley Cup wins by the Lightning and the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl. Now the Rays are headed for the MLB playoffs, and the Buccaneers have started their season in winning form, so could this be Champa Bay once more? Let's get back to the conversation with longtime sports writer Joey Johnston, NFL Buccaneers columnist and podcast host Ira Kaufman, and Spectrum Bay News 9 sports reporter Mike Cairns. We could talk more baseball, but let's pivot, if we could, to football. Uh, Buccaneers have a couple of wins under their belts after beating the Chicago Bears over the weekend, adding to a win in week one against the Vikings. Ira, you wrote in your blog that style points are for figure skaters, not football teams. What do you make of these first two games? Well, 2-0 and is 2-0. and And Joey and I go back a long, long way watching Tampa Bay Buck football. And Joey, one of the points I made was you can say what you want about the Bears and you can call them a 4-13 and team that's going to be in the running for the number one pick in the draft. Joey, there's been a lot of Buck teams in recent memory before Brady got here, that would have found a way to lose to the Chicago Bears. And the Bucks didn't do it. And of all the numbers that you can talk about, and Mike Evans and Shaq Barrett and this and that, Joey, one number stands out, one. And that's the number zero. Zero giveaways through two weeks equals a plus five turnover differential. And that's been the difference. We will know a lot more about the Bucks when the Eagles come into town. Now, Philly's not playing great, but they're a heck of a team. That pass rush is going to be all over Baker Mayfield, and we'll see what Dave Canales has in store. But right now, the Bucks are playing smart, intelligent, winning football, and that defense might be for real. Joey? Ira, I, I didn't have a lot of optimism going into the season with the Bucks, and you, you play your schedule. Uh, I. I wouldn't have been shocked if they came out of the gate 0-2. But the way they've played, like you said, playing so smart, Baker Mayfield is really everything and more that they could have hoped for at this point in the season. They're just doing all the right things, pushing all the right buttons, and they've won two games, and they're off to a terrific start. And those kind of things can build. Nobody expected the Bucks to be a, a, a factor in the NFC South this year or, or, or a playoff team. I didn't see many people or any people picking them to get into the postseason, but if they can somehow beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football, we may have something here again with the Bucks. If uh, particularly if Baker Mayfield can just play within himself and stay away from the the massive mistakes, because they do have some skill players. If he can get the ball in their hands, and if the defense can continue to play at a high level, I'm not ruling anything out. And this this isn't something I saw coming for sure. Ira, tell us a little more about Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's got some pretty big shoes to fill following the retirement of Tom Brady. What more can you tell us about him? I think it was a very smart, low-risk move from the Bucks to get Mayfield on a one-year deal. He's driven. He's very motivated. This is his chance for a renaissance to recapture his form in 2020. He's not that far removed from having a really good season with the Browns, who never do anything, and he led them to 11 wins and a playoff victory, and then they went to Arrowhead and and scared the heck out of the Chiefs, and then he got hurt. So one thing I've noticed behind the scenes about Mayfield, a lot of Buck players say, oh, we don't read the stuff about us, you know, we don't use, uh, we don't care about bulletin board material. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Mayfield's an outlier. He admits it. He reads everything. He knows everything Peter King is saying about the Buccaneers or any perceived slight, and he uses it. He's got a chip on his shoulder and a big one. And I kind of like it right now because, boy, he's making some good decisions out there. Mike? That's a great point. I was going to bring that up because he was asked about Peter King yesterday. And for those of you who don't know the background, uh, Peter King said the Bucs would win two games this year. And Baker was asked about it yesterday. He's like, hey, uh, I guess you're done. You guys won your two games. Uh, uh, and <laughs> Baker, being the professional that he is, he kind of sidestepped that. And he didn't take any shots. He kept it all about the team. And everything's in the locker room with them. But I agree with our, I believe it's the first time in Baker's career that he started 2-0. and But this is the perfect landing spot for him with the new offensive coordinator and what Dave Canales has been able to do. And I kidded Ira about Monday night and the 2-0 the and start. I didn't see it coming. I thought maybe they'd go 1-1 one one in the first couple of games. That, uh, winning at Minnesota, to me, was a wake-up call. That's a tough place to play football and, and win. That's a, that's a team that won 13 games last year. So this start is definitely good, but I, I kind of pumped the brakes on Philadelphia. But as Ira mentioned, they didn't play very well. Patriots played very well against Philadelphia in week one and took them right down to the wire. That front line of Philadelphia is going to be a, a massive test for the Bucs offensive line, for sure. I think that's going to be the battle. Uh, and depending, hopefully, how the Bucs secondary shored up, there were some uh, guys that left injured yesterday. So hopefully they'll rest up and they'll be good. But I'm going to say this. I'm not making any predictions on the Monday night game. But the type of offense that the Bucs run now under Dave Canales with the RPOs, the short passes, they take the big hits with Mike Evans. And if Bradbury is still out in that secondary for the Eagles – I think I could definitely see, and with the way the Bucs defense is playing, and they had a Justin Fields, so Justin Fields is no Jalen Hurts, but he's the same style quarterback. So the Bucs have already got one of those guys under their belt defensively. I'm telling you, if that game is close at all at halftime, I think Dave Canales has got something dialed up for that very aggressive Philadelphia defense, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won a close one. I wanted to just, Joey, turn it to you and, and just kind of, take a, a fan's perspective, maybe people who haven't been paying as much attention to football until the Tom Brady era. What did he do for the team, for the fans? Well, number one, he won a Super Bowl, and you can't underestimate that. He gave hope back to a franchise that was really struggling to find its way for several years. He made football relevant on a national and, frankly, international level here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So his contributions were, were massive. They, they didn't last very long, just three seasons, but they will continue to resonate for years and years to come. I mean, this, for the most part, the history of, of the franchise, it dates back to the, the 0 and 26 beginnings and some success after that, and then 14 straight years of losing. That's sort of the reference point. Now, the Bucks did win a Super Bowl in 2002, but until Brady came, they were backsliding. They were struggling to, to find their way. Jameis Winston had not been effective, the number one pick in the draft. And Tom Brady just changed the whole mindset of the organization. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it still exists. Maybe we have a team here that people are overlooking, but their mindset is such where that they don't settle for anything less than a postseason. And maybe they're the kind of team that's going to be overlooked and they're going to surprise us all. We will talk a little more football, but I just wanted to take a quick sidebar and talk hockey for a moment. The NHL doesn't start for another couple of weeks, but Mike, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won two Stanley Cup championships in the last few years. What are you going to be looking for once that season gets underway? 
plug and play. That's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning are. Every year, much like the Rays, people are like, oh, how are they going to build this team? How are they getting back to the playoffs? The core of the Lightning still remain. You still got Stamkos. You still got Kucherov. You still got Point. You still got Vasilevsky. You still got Hedman. He takes those guys, and then he goes out, and he makes these great moves, and he brings in uh, defensemen. He brings in experience and keeps that core together. But the top two lines tweaks the third line. John Cooper has done a tremendous job uh, in his years as the head coach. Uh, so I don't expect the Lightning to do anything but compete for another Stanley Cup. They're definitely going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And again, they haven't lost anybody. As long as that core sticks together, and again, the Lightning have gone out and shore up contracts on all of them, um, I expect them to be just as successful as they have been uh, leading up to the last two Stanley Cups. So remember, this is a team that's gone deep into the playoffs. With that core intact, I think they're in good shape. I wanted to ask about soccer too, which is one of the other sports you cover here in Tampa Bay, Mike. The Tampa Bay Rowdies are second in the Eastern Conference for the USL. But thinking about soccer more broadly, where does that fit into the pantheon of professional sports for Tampa Bay fans? Because there there is a smorgasbord of sports, right? So where does soccer kind of fit in the mix? Go down to Al Lang on a Friday or a Saturday, and you'll find out exactly where the Rowdies fit because that stadium is rocking. There's no question about it. It's one of the best atmospheres uh, in all of Tampa Bay sports because you are right on top of the action. The Rowdies product is the best uh, in the USL. Uh, And anybody that goes there, you don't have to be a big soccer fan to enjoy what the Rowdies are putting out there. And they win. They've had a change in coach. Neil Collins leaves during the season. New coach doesn't stop the Rowdies, as you mentioned. Second place, uh, driving towards the playoffs again. Go down to Al Lang on Saturday night. You'll get all your fill. And the Rowdies aren't just, yeah, there are soccer fans. There's your diehards. There's a group called the Rowdies that are diehards. But as far as family atmosphere and, and go down there and see what the product is, I think you'll be impressed. Ira, what's what are you looking out for beyond the Eagles? Because that, as you mentioned, obviously is a big deal, that particular game. But beyond that hurdle, where does the season go from there? Well, then they go to New Orleans before the bye week. And by the way, uh, the early bye week, week five, I, I don't think that helps the Bucks one iota. Um I would love a bye week after week 10. Um, Joey, that means they got to play the whole rest of the season without a week off after week five. Um, And let's be honest, you know, November, you know, is is when the injuries start piling up and you need a break. Um, And you got to get the trainers involved. You got a week off and that's not going to happen this year. So the schedule maker didn't do the Bucks any favors, in my opinion with that week five bye week, which I think is the earliest you can have it. Atlanta is 2-0. and Arthur Smith is doing a good job. They have an identity. They don't ask their quarterback to do too much. So I think the Bucks can hang in this division. I don't think Carolina is very good. I think the Saints are 500. Instead of 8-9, and nine, I think the Bucks might go 9-8 and eight and be in contention to win this division again. One more quick thing I want to say, and, and this is uh, addressed to Joey because – I came in here in 1985. There was no lightning. There were no rays. We had the bandits. We had the bucks. We had some soccer. Joey, this should be considered the golden era of Bay Area sports right now. The lightning have been great. Look what the rays are doing. The bucks just won a Super Bowl. We should be reveling in this 
Joey, it, it is a great time for Bay Area sports fans. Yeah, no question. I, uh, I mean, the, you know, the Champa Bay moniker that we had and I guess still exists even today, we've never seen anything quite like this. We've certainly been in a pattern here where all three of the major teams have been uh, on an upswing at, at playing at a championship level. Now, if the Rays go ahead and solidify their future with a stadium, uh, that means uh, into the foreseeable future, we could really have something special brewing here for sure. Back to you, when you arrived in 85, hockey wasn't even on the radar. And uh, we I know we all spent many years wondering if uh, hockey could ever be successful here long term. Uh, we were wrong about that. It can. And we certainly wondered about baseball, if the Rays could thrive in the AL East. How in the heck were they going to compete with the Yankees and Red Sox? We all wondered if that would ever lead to anything. And the Rays have turned out to be the much more stable, much better franchise. So, yeah, if the Bucks can uh, get on a run here, uh, we may be uh, amid a, a special season. Again, the Rays will be contending for a World Series. I expect the Lightning to make a run at another Stanley Cup. And if the Bucks are a contender, well, my gosh, Champa Bay is back. Just a real quick comment on, sure. on uh, follow Ira up on the Bucks because I think with this 2-0 start in, in a very winnable South, I was just kind of looking at the Bucks schedule while you guys were chatting. And outside of teams like the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Bills, the Bucks have an extremely favorable schedule. They'll get a Lions team in town. The Lions were the, are the darlings this year. Everybody thinks they're going to do great things. And they got the Titans and Texans and teams like that outside of the division. So those are some games that if this defense starts to play and continues to play the way they're playing, boy, I think the win total starts at nine, I think, where Ira put it. But I can see it starting to trend upwards as you take a look ahead at the schedule, Colin. I'm not trying to get ahead where they're at, the Eagles are a very, very good football team. They're next. But looking beyond that, Eagles, 49ers, Bills are all going to be very good. They're all going to be playoff teams. You win your division, and then you win some of those winnable games outside it, this could be a pretty good year for the Bucs. I'll give you the last word. We do need to wrap things up, but uh, any final thoughts? Well, I'll say this. Todd Bowles, I don't think the seat gets any hotter in the NFL than Todd Bowles' face going into week one at Minnesota. Now, by that, I don't try to say that he would have been fired at midseason if the Bucks were 2-6. and six. No, the Glazers have never done that. But Joey knows that if Bowles was heading towards a fifth losing season in a row, going back to his days with the Jets, he wasn't going to come back for number six. And Bowles, I thought, coached his butt off in Minneapolis. He was bold. He was daring. He was anything but conservative. And after the game... I love the fact he reinforced it, saying you don't come up here and, and play a good team like Minnesota and play to lose. You, you go for it. And they went for it from their own 32-yard line. So I'm looking at Bowles right now. Arians isn't around very much. No left which He handpicked Canales. He's doing it his way. Todd Bowles is going to coach this team his way, whether it's going to work or not. He's not going to look back with any regrets. You're going to have to leave it there, but I want to thank you all so much. Ira Kaufman, the NFL Buccaneers columnist for JoeBucksFan.com and host of the Ira Kaufman podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Mike Cairn, sports reporter with the Spectrum Bay News 9. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for having me. And Joey Johnson, Tampa Bay sports writer covering baseball at the high school, college, and major league level. Joey, thank you as well. Always a pleasure. And that's Florida Matters for this week. You can find us online at wusfnews.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Search for Florida Matters. 
Our producer is Steve Newborn. The engineers are Jackson Harp and Blake Bass. Production assistance from Sky LeBron. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening. <laughs>